Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the very first Sunday of the season of Lent. Now it's a holy season, a time to get back to the basics. And as we begin this Lenten season, the church invites us to revisit the spiritual fundamentals of our faith. Now this is a very common practice. We see that very evident in sports. It was a great story about Jack Nicholas, arguably the best all-time golfer that ever lived. Even when he was on the top of his game, before every season, every golfing season began, he would go and visit his old golfing teacher. Together, they would go over the basic fundamentals of the game. How to grip the golf club, the proper stance, how to align yourself to the ball, the proper swing. Well, the same thing holds true with us as we begin this great season of Lent. We go back to the spiritual basics, and that's no more clearer than the readings for this weekend. They're perfect. Go to the first reading from Genesis. It's the story of the creation of humanity, as well as the fall of grace, the fall of our friendship with God. Now, the first thing that we can take from the story is the Lord formed us out of the clay of ground and blew into the nostrils of humanity And humanity came into being. We came into life through that divine breath of God. And therefore, the biblical God never despises humanity. God creates us, and everything that God has made is good. More to it, our bodies are indeed made from the earth, made from atoms and molecules and minerals. The point here is God exults in our physicality because we are endowed with a life that is ordered to God. Another thing that we can take from this story is this story tells us the most elemental truths about human nature, what God wanted for Adam and Eve and for all of humanity from the very beginning, life and life in abundance. That's why Adam and Eve are living in a garden. They're not living on the top of a mountain. They're not living out in the forest. They're not living out in the country or in a city or village. They're living in a garden. It's very specific and very intentional. Gardens are places of life, and that's what God wants to give each and every one of us. Notice also, too, God commands Adam and Eve that they have free will over the garden. It's theirs. They can do with it whatever they want, except for the fact that they cannot eat from that one tree. Now, the early church fathers interpreted this as that God wants us to engage the world, engage music and science, engage art and architecture, literature. All these things make life rich in our world and for us. Now, the prohibition, Adam and Eve cannot eat from the 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now notice where that tree is. It's not in the periphery or the sides of the garden. It's not in the back of the garden or the front. It's at the very center of the garden. Once again, very intentional. The lesson here, if God is at the very center of our life and God is the sole arbiter and determinant of what is good and evil, and we follow that, then our life will flourish, just like a garden. We will have life and life in abundance. Now, Adam and Eve, they are tempted by the serpent, the devil, and they grasp and eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that very act of grasping for that fruit, they're telling God that God is no longer the sole arbiter of good and evil. Instead, Adam and Eve are. They will determine what is morally good and evil in their life. And therein lies the fundamental mistake and the fall of grace. The serpent dupes Adam and Eve to thinking that God is a rival. That's why he says to them, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat from that tree over there is because if you do, you'll become gods yourself. And God doesn't want that. He wants to keep you down. And so Adam and Eve fall for that lie. Another lesson we can take from this is when we surrender to God and God becomes the sole arbiter or determinant of what is good and evil in our world and our life, then we find life and life in abundance. Then God elevates us. But what's the problem? So many people are duped by this lie. We see this played out every day. People see God as a rival. They believe that the individual person is the sole determinant of what is morally good and evil and not God. That's called moral relativism in our day and age. And see, that was never meant to be from the very beginning when God created this entire universe and humanity. Now, moral relativism is something we have maybe heard or read about. It's a belief in which the whole moral life is all relative to each individual. Each individual determines what is morally good and evil. The problem with this way of thinking is that what I determine what is morally good and evil is different from that person and that person and that person. What's the result? That we can justify any act whatsoever, such that I can commit violence and I can steal and I can lie and I can justify it all because I'm determining what is morally good and evil. And see, this is why this belief is so dangerous. The scary thing This is becoming so prevalent in our culture and in our country today. And see, this is what Adam and Eve displayed in the fall of grace. Now, this is a great segue into the gospel. Here in the gospel, we have the devil working again. He's tempting again. In this case, it's Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus teaches us how to face temptation, not to back away from it, but instead to challenge it and overcome and persevere through it. He also teaches us how to battle the demons that we have in our life and all the things that try and draw us away from God. Now, it's important to note, just before this story, Jesus was baptized. Remember, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He rises out of the waters of the Jordan River, and the Holy Trinity is revealed to us all. And then immediately, Jesus flees into the desert to do battle with the devil. 
Well, we too are baptized. And as Paul says, at baptism, we are grafted onto Jesus Christ. And now we share his life. Because of that, now we are properly and spiritually equipped to resist the temptations of the devil, just like Jesus did, because we share his life. Now, it's important that we carefully watch how Jesus faces these temptations. The first temptation, Jesus is fasting. It says for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, obviously, he's very hungry, realizing he is fully divine, but he's also fully human. So he must have been incredibly hungry. This temptation is to satisfy the basic desires of life. The temptation for food and drink, entertainment, pleasure, to make them the center of our life. As I've said many times before, we are Catholics. We're not Puritans. It's okay to enjoy food and drink and entertainment. We should enjoy them. They're all gifts from God. But the moment we make them the center of our life, then we are in big spiritual trouble. Instead, we must follow the example of Jesus and make God the central desire of our life. See, when we do that, when God becomes the central desire of our life, then all the other desires that we have in life fall in harmony with Christ. The second temptation. The devil takes Jesus all the way up to the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, Jesus is standing on the rooftop of the temple. Now remember, the temple is the religious epicenter of Israel as a nation. Also, too, the temple contains the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. So now Jesus is standing on top of all of that, on top of the roof of the temple. The temptation here, to defy God the Father's will. It's the temptation of the ego. Put your ego before the will of God. Now, at the heart of the spiritual life, the person says, my life is not about me. My life is about me in relationship to God and living out that relationship and faith each and every day of my life to the best of my abilities. My life is centered around God and that God is the sole arbiter of what is morally good and evil in this world. And I follow that. The heart of sin says what? My life is about me, my wants, my desires, my pleasures. And everything else and everyone else takes a back seat to me. I determine what is morally good and evil in this world and in my life, not God. I am the center of my life, not God. And we see that clearly on display with Adam and Eve. Now the third temptation, the devil takes Jesus up and he sees all the kingdoms in the world and their magnificence. The temptation here is for power. St. Augustine referred to this as the libido dominante, the lust to dominate. Now notice the varying degrees of these temptations. It first starts with a low level degree of temptation for bodily desires, then goes to the ego and finally ends up with the greatest temptation for power. Now we see this throughout world history. Individuals and their lust for power, how they are ruthless in obtaining that power and even more ruthless in maintaining it. And how people have suffered because of that. We see this with Caesar, Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin. 
Now, take it to a local level for each and every one of us. Maybe we work with domineering people. Maybe we have a neighbor, a friend, or even a family member that's always domineering, always wants to be in control. Well, turn to St. Thomas Aquinas. He says, always humbly seek the first mission. Always humbly do the will of God. And then we will always avoid that lust for power. Now, food and drink, the ego, power, these are all obstacles preventing us from drawing closer to God. Well, as we begin this Lenten season, we have to go back to the basics. Have the courage to take a long look at our life and see maybe there are areas that are blocking us from drawing closer to Christ. And then reach out. Reach out to Jesus and allow Jesus to remove those obstacles. Allow Jesus to give us the strength to persevere through those temptations so that we can draw closer to him during this great season of Lent. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.